Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Well, I want to welcome you this morning to the kickoff of our New Year's series. It's called The New Rules for Resolution. How many of you guys have ever made a New Year's resolution? How many of you guys have ever had a New Year's resolution that actually stuck? Okay, so no, not many people. So you're in the right place today. Um, I, I believe that the Lord has some rules for resolution that will help us. Because in life, we all want to make some positive changes. We all have things that we want to work on and grow on. And so I believe that over the next couple of weeks, the Lord is going to help you to get to those places that you have been wanting to get to personally for a long time. Hey, can we welcome all those who are joining us by video this morning? So glad you guys have tuned in. I want to invite you to be a part of a service live and in person right here at Generation Church. So new rules for resolution. Um, I want to give you guys, if I can this morning, a few New Year's resolutions that you could actually keep. You guys ready for this? I think that this year you should read less. I think you should take up texting while driving. And um, I think you should try to gain some weight because, you know, that's the easy thing to do. Uh, I think you should stop exercising because we all know it's a waste of time, right? Um, I think you should watch more TV because you've been missing out on such great programming. I think you should watch less TV in standard definition. All the tech people get that. It's, it's an HD joke. Okay, uh, I, I, think, uh, I think you could gain enough weight this year to make it on The Biggest Loser if you really try. Watch more movie remakes on AMC. I think you should procrastinate more. You'll surely succeed at that. Eat more dessert. That one is a no-brainer. Uh, I personally, I plan to use more deodorant this year so I can do less laundry, just so you all know. You could no longer waste time reliving the past because you could spend it worrying about the future. You can stop buying worthless junk on eBay because QVC has better specials. Stop bringing your lunch from home because you need to eat out more. And I think you should take up a new habit. How about speeding? <laughs> hey, you know, uh, while these are mildly funny, um, I think that there are some rules of resolution that will help us get to the place that God wants us to be in life. And, and I don't think that we have to go year after year after year trying to make positive changes that never stick. I believe that God gives us the ability to make the changes in our lives that our hearts desire to make and that those changes would not be gone by February. If you go to the gym right now in Jupiter, it is jam-packed. In February, it's going to be a ghost town, crickets chirping in the corner. Because it's just human nature and, and the way we operate as, as people, we, we have great ideas and great aspirations, but so often they seem to, uh, to elude us when it comes to consistency. So I believe there are some new rules for resolution. You know, I never thought of myself as a very disciplined or a very structured person. Um, growing up, I was kind of the, uh, the quiet kid. I was the thinker. I would just sit and strategize and theorize. I thought everybody was kind of crazy. And, and uh, I just watched the world go by. And, and the, the things that I wanted to do that were structured in life, I had a hard time doing. I'm not a task-oriented person. I have 10 staff, and they're all task-oriented people. So they get the stuff done, and I think about what we should be doing. Um, and, and so I noticed in my life that 
Even though I was this thinker and I was this strategizer and all those strategists, if you will, all those kind of things, I knew that I had some things lacking in, in me. And I wanted to make some positive changes, but I didn't quite know how to do that. I didn't know how to make those things stick. In January of 1994, I remember standing looking at my locker in school. And I remember seeing the thing packed all the way up to about half of its height full of papers and car parts and un, uh, unfinished assignments and small children and a little nest of animals and, and all kinds of things, leftover food. And, and I remember looking at my locker and I remember thinking, I, I, need, I need to change. I remember thinking, this is not going to work for me long term. I, I'm the only person in school who doesn't need a shelf in my locker because I could just set my books right on the trash heap. And all my friends, they, they were going to college weekend days. And I was like, college weekend days? I was too busy partying to go to college weekend days. I was too busy doing other things. And, and people were thinking about where they're going to go to school. And I had no plans at all. I knew I needed to make some positive changes, but I didn't know how. I, I knew I needed to add some structure to my life, but I didn't know how. Anybody ever been there? I have hired on my staff all of these people who are task-oriented, and, and they're able to put things in place. They keep the trains running on time around here. But how many of you guys know that all my ESTJs, if you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs, that all my, all my people who are structured in life, they still have desire for structure too? That we all have growth areas. Even if you are a task-oriented person, there's still positive change in your life that you want to implement. And I believe there are some new rules for resolution, regardless of whether you are, whether you're a strategist, a thinker, or an action-type person, that God wants to help you accomplish those goals in your life in this year. Those things that will help you get to where you want to be. It was so funny. Every time I cleaned my car out, it was like Christmas for me. Was I was finding new things, I was like, I didn't know I owned that pair of sneakers. Or maybe I don't. Maybe it's just somebody that left them in my car. I'm not sure. But it was just such a, a mess. I was so bad at being good that I just stopped trying. I just stopped even trying to make New Year's resolutions because I could never keep them. But God helped me figure out how to do that, and I believe he wants to help you too. It's no secret that even the best of us we struggle to make positive changes in our life, to lose weight, to, to eat better, to go to the gym more, spend more time with our family, to go to church more, read the Bible more. We all have these things that we want to do in life. I believe God wants to help us. How many of you know that it's just not easy? Just not easy to make changes. We get stuck in a rut of doing the same things. You know, we're creatures of habit. Do the same things over and over and over. It's so funny when Pastor Jim and Miss Ann come to Florida to visit. Pastor Jim is our pastor on our board of directors. They come every December, the same week. We eat at the same restaurants every single year. He orders the same food every time he comes. Nothing I can order for him. The whole weekend while he's here, we are creatures of habit. So how do we break out of that rut and how do we get ourselves to implement and to hold on to some positive change? See, I'm no longer the same person that struggled to make those positive changes. I figured out some things in God and in life. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you the new rules of resolution. 
You know, when I think about rules that people have struggled with in humanity, I, I can't get away from the rules of God. I can't get away from the Ten Commandments. And, and as I look around the, the, the world and I've looked at history and I see people in a church, I, I think about how we struggle sometimes just to, to meet those Ten Commandments, those Ten written commandments that God wrote with His very finger on stone tablets. And then there are 603, in case you didn't know, 603 verbal commandments on top of those 10. 613 total commandments. And mankind has been unable to put positive change and effect in their lives and keep those commandments. That's why we needed Jesus. Jesus was the only one that could help us through that. And, and as I thought about the commandments that, that mankind has struggled to keep for millennia, how in the world do we do this? How can I live the way that I want to live? How can I live the way I know I need to live? Is it that the rules are bad? No, the rules aren't bad. The, the commandments of God are good. They're there for our benefit. So how do we implement them? How do we make those positive changes? You know, we have to learn to change the way we change. Say that with me. Say, I'm going to change, change. the way I change. Because so often we try to change from the outside in. You know, we try to have behavior modification, but it's really about heart transformation. And, and it's easy to look at 613 laws and say, thou shalt not do this, that, and the other, and try to make ourselves conform and fit in to this social construct or this spiritual construct. We try to change from the outside to the inside. But see, God is all about change from the inside to the outside. How do we change? Jesus answers the question in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, starting in verse 35. This is how you change the way you change. Verse 35, it says, one of them, an expert in religious law, a person who was a lawyer, but he was also a religious man. He came and he tried to indeed trap Jesus with a question. He says, verse 36, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? He's referencing the 613 laws, the 10 written and the 603 verbal laws. Now, the people of Israel, the people of God had added in addition to those 613 laws, hundreds, if not thousands of additional laws. Right? So they would add laws that would keep you far away from breaking one of the 613 commandments. For instance, like this. Let's say there was a commandment that says, thou shalt not lie. Right? Okay, so you, you can't lie. So the people of God said, well, we're going to make a rule that says you can't talk. Because if you can't talk, you can't lie. And so they had added thousands of rules and regulations and laws. And so here this man comes up. He's talking, as Seiko talked about last week. He comes to the lawgiver to debate the law. And he, he's really kind of smart because he's asking Jesus. He's, he realizes that out of all these laws, these New Year's resolutions that none of us can keep, how can I just find one? Jesus, what's the one thing out of all of the law, all the rules, what's the one thing? I can just zero down to just one positive change in my life. What is it so I can make it happen? And Jesus responds back to him, verse 37. He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Verse 40, the entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So a lawyer asked Jesus, what is the most important of all the laws? And Jesus simply responds with one answer, love. Now, when you start thinking about how you're going to make your New Year's resolutions and how you're going to make positive changes in life, how many of you all go to the word love? Love is, is not all, everybody except for this man who's the wisest among us. <laughs> everybody, typically we go at this task-oriented. We don't think about those internal things. We don't think about if I'm going to make positive changes, it has to happen here first, right? Most people think about if I'm going to make positive changes, I'm going to have to conform myself to it. And this is what this lawyer was asking Jesus. I, I know I can't do all of this, so I can only force myself to fit into this box of one rule, Jesus. Which one is it? What's the one thing I can do? And Jesus responds to him, it's not about the one thing you can do. It's not about the greatest. It's not about the best rule. Jesus begins to dive down underneath the surface right to the heart. It's the new rules for resolution. It's not really new rules. They've been around since the beginning, but probably it's just new to us because we've tried to change year after year after year from the outside in instead of the inside out. All of the rules of being right, they hang on the simple idea of what do we love. Love becomes the, the most intense motivator of all change. Love will cause you to do crazy things. Love will cause you to overcome obstacles that you have not been able to overcome. In other words, all change hangs on love. Let me say that again. All change hangs on love. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says that love never fails. It never fails. So when we begin to apply change to our life, if we apply the change that we want, the positive things that need to adapt in us, they need to develop in us. If we hang those things on love, if they're motivated by love, they begin to be changes that stick. They begin to be changes that, that we're able to continue with. They begin to become permanent changes in our lives. We have to begin to ask ourselves, are we ready to change the way we change? Are we ready to be love-driven? Our motivations... Why are we doing what we do? What is the motivation behind the change that we want to change anyway? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to be nicer to your kids? Is it because you're supposed to be? Because you love your kids. Why do you want to spend more time with God? Because you feel bad when you don't? Or because you love him? What are the motivations that are going on in our head? See, the interesting thing about this interaction with Jesus and this lawyer is this lawyer wasn't hearing anything new. See, the Jews in that day, they quoted exactly what Jesus said to him twice a day out of a book called the Shema. Twice a day, every good little Jewish person would say, love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, and love my neighbor as himself. 
So put yourself in this position for just a second. Here this guy, he's coming up. He notices that nobody's able to keep positive change. We're not able to keep the law and all of these kind of things. And he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the one thing I can do? And Jesus responds with him with the one thing he repeats twice a day. It had nothing to do with the words. It had to do with the heart. Maybe some of you today, you've been trying to change based on what you know or think to be right instead of letting your change be based on what's happening in your heart. He knew the answer to his question already. He repeated it twice a day. He just didn't understand it. The new rules of resolution are about understanding why you change. Why do you need to make those positive changes in the first place? Jesus reduced all of mankind's need to change down to just two things. 613 laws and the thousands that were added to it reduced down to two things. Let me say it this way. Your change in life, it springs out of only one attribute but two directions. Your positive change in life springs out of one attribute, which is love, and two directions, loving the Father and loving your neighbor. When those two things begin to work inside of you, the positive change that you so desperately desire to have and stay consistent with in life begins to emerge in everyday life. Get these things right, and you'll see change begin to happen. So I have two change drivers for you. What are the driving factors behind our change? Number one, change driver number one, is to love God first. This is exactly what Jesus said. Love the Father first. This is the spiritual component to change. When you begin to develop the love for the Father, the love for God, that is the thing that is the catalyst for supernatural change in your life, spiritual change in your life. I didn't become the, uh, the driven, methodical agent of change that harasses my staff seven days a week by accident. I didn't pull myself out of the daydreams and the doldrums and the starry skies on my own. See, as a young man standing at that locker that day, I realized I'm hopeless. And I started to reach out to God. Now, I knew God at that point, but I didn't love God at that point. I'd been dragged to church, been made to go to Sunday school, went to youth group. I'd even had a few experiences with God, things that were supernatural, that only could have been God. I didn't yet love him. Maybe I had a, a little bit, but I hadn't developed it yet. And something started to happen to me. I, I was so tired of where I was, so scared, if I'm being completely vulnerable and honest, of where I was headed, that all I could do is just reach out and say, I just, I need to, I need to know you. I didn't even know I was falling in love. I was just reaching out for something. And in the midst of that reaching out, I began to develop a love for God. I, I began to develop a love for the kingdom of God. I began to develop a love for all of the things that, that were a part of God. And, and the things that I had loved in the world, the parties and the drunkenness and carousing and all the things that I could not stop. All of a sudden, I stopped loving those. I started to switch out one love for another love. 
I remember my senior year of high school. I know it's high school, but it's the only one I had. I got everything together after high school. But in my senior year of high school, hopefully you can relate, I tried that entire year to get myself together. And I kept saying, why can I not stop getting drunk? Why can I not stop partying like a raging animal? Why can I not tell my friends no? Why? Why can I not stop this stuff from happening? And for one year, I tried my best. I couldn't make any positive changes until I fell in love with God. I fell in love with the Lord. I had probably one of the foulest mouths in my entire school. And when I fell in love with God, I woke up one day and it was completely gone. To the point where in my high school annuals, people would write in there the foul phrases that I had made popular in our high school. In my annual. And I just woke, and I couldn't stop. I would go to school and think, man, I am not going to say those things. I'm not going to engage in that kind of community. And I could not stop. I started to fall in love with Jesus. And one day I woke up and it was gone. One day I woke up and the desire for alcohol was gone. The desire for parties, the desire for all those things that had entangled me, it was just gone. It was the positive change that I was looking for. You know, when I think about other people throughout history, throughout Scripture, that had positive change in their life, I think about these guys, and I notice that it was their love for God that created that positive change, too. It's not just me. Work for them. Work for me. It'll work for you as well, too. Wherever your level of love is for the Lord, increase it. When I think about history. I think about people like Gideon. Gideon was a guy who... He lived in a time when the people of God were oppressed. They actually lived in caves because they were scared to go out because this country, these people called the Midianites, they're a symbol, if you will, of the devil. They oppressed the people of God. And, and here's this man, Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, and, and he is in a cave living out his existence. And, and you got to know every day, every minute, every hour, he's in that cave thinking, I need some change in my life. And, and Scripture tells us that he's threshing wheat on a wine press. Wait a minute. I thought you pressed grapes on a wine press. What's he threshing wheat on there? You ever felt like you didn't have the right tools in life to do the things that you needed to do? So here this man is, needing positive change, needing a new year resolution for him. Stuck in a cave, unable to go outside. His entire nation is oppressed. He knew God. He didn't yet love God. Scripture says in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. What is God doing? He's starting to come down in love on Gideon. Scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 that we love him because he first loved us. So God shows up. The angel of the Lord shows up and he says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Maybe some of you in this time, the Lord is showing up saying, hey, you're not so bad. 
I know you need some change in your life. There's some things you need to work on. But even though you may not feel right right now, I still love you. And something started to happen between Gideon and God. And God's loving on Gideon. And Gideon's a little skeptical. He says this. He says to the Lord, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this junk happened to me? That's in the original Hebrew. He said, where are all of his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the devil, of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Isn't that just like life? Like you're hiding out in a cave, you're, you're using the wrong tools, you're trying to produce some change in life, you're threshing wheat on a wine press instead of making wine on the wine press, and, and all of a sudden God comes in the scene and he starts to love on you, he encourages you through a pastor or, or a friend or somebody invites you to church, and, and then all of a sudden this stuff starts coming out of us. Well, God, where were you when my grandfather died? He was 89, by the way. He lived his life out. Well, God, where were you when I was sick? Where were your miracles that all these people talk about? Where was the change that I'm looking for when I needed it? You know, I've learned about God is God is never late, but he's never early. I mean, he is the God of 11, 59, and 59, 59, 59 to the millisecond. He doesn't do it to stress us out. He does it to help us grow in our trust and our love, to develop our trust for him to develop a heart for God. And if you read on in Gideon's story, he developed a love for God. And it was that love for God that drew him out of that cave. It was that trust in God that drew him out. And he delivered the people of God from the bondage that they were in. He created positive change, not for himself, but for the whole nation. Now think about David, King David. He was the same way. He was the least of the family. They didn't even bring him out to anoint the people as king. But the scripture says in Acts 13 and 22 that David had a heart after God, that he was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. And it was that love that drew David out to put down the staff and pick up the slingshot and stand there and take down Goliath. As he mocked the people of God, it was that love that produced the ability for this little 16-year-old boy to get up and do something with his life. And it's that same love for God the Father that will give you the ability to stand up and do something significant with your life. Driver number one is love God. The new rules of resolution are love God. Develop that. It will change you. In ways that you cannot change on your own. The second driver is to love others with the same love that you have for yourself. I don't know about y'all, but I like me. I actually love me. I buy myself, as Seiko has said, I buy myself a house. I buy myself a new car every four or five years. I buy myself clothes. I buy myself three square meals a day. I like me. I love me. And I'm not sure that I love you as much as I love me. I'm working on that. And I'm not sure you all love me as much as you love you. I think we're working on that. But 
If you think about all the laws and Jesus drilled it down to these two attributes, love God and love people, there's something that maybe we've missed. Maybe the body of Christ has missed. We, we have asked for all of this change. We, we've wanted all of these things to benefit us, but we forgot about everybody else. Loving our neighbor like we love ourselves. Wow. That's a big one. I think about scripture, think through history about other people who had to learn this lesson. I think about Jonah. You don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. Jonah was a man who loved God. He already loved God. He was a prophet of God. But he didn't love people yet. Jonah was probably a little racist, for being completely honest. And maybe not even racist as it relates to ethnicity, but probably racist as it relates to spirituality. You ever feel that way? You ever see somebody in the world and you think, man, I just I can't relate you kind of get maybe mad at somebody who's partying instead of having a heart for them. We went down to the food truck, food truck invasion on Friday night, and I walked out, and man, it is like a drunk fest out there. I had to check my heart a minute. I had to think, well, this is not very fun to me right now because I see a ton of people who are living the old lifestyle that tormented me so much. I had to check my heart and say, whoa, I love me or I love them. Jonah had to deal with the same thing. The Lord spoke to him. He said, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. I need you to tell these people. I know they're not part of the Jewish faith, but I need you to tell them that their lifestyles and things, they're going in the wrong direction. And if you'll tell them, they will turn and they'll, they'll turn to me. And Jonah said, oh, okay, God, I'll do that. And as soon as God left, Jonah went the other way. And he hopped on a ship and a storm came. And here Jonah is in the belly of this, this uh, huge ship. And the storm is about to destroy. The, and they're throwing stuff overboard. And, and Jonah had still not, God's taken him through this process to learn to love other people. He had still not started to love other people as he loved himself. He was willing to let the whole place go down. He wasn't about to say anything. If they all die with him, then okay, whatever. But then something starts working on his heart and, and he, starts to, he realizes that he is going to be the reason for the demise of these people on the ship. And so he confesses and he says, this storm is my fault. I disobeyed God. And he said, throw me overboard. That was his first step in learning to love people. So God prepared a large fish, a big whale, and it came and ate him and he spent three days and nights in the belly of the whale. It's a symbol of Jesus spending three days and nights in that tomb in the belly of the earth when he went to take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You realize that Jesus, for those three days while he was in the tomb, taking back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he didn't do it for the Father. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it because of pride. He didn't do it because the kingdom needed to survive. He didn't do it for any other reason except he loved you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And Jonah learned the same lesson for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. The same thing that Jesus would accomplish hundreds of years later, Jonah was learning. And that fish came and spit him out, and he immediately went to Nineveh. And he told them, 
You guys got to change your ways. And they did. And the king took his robe off and put on sackcloth and ashes and they repented. And God spared that city. And Jonah had positive change in his life. The spiritual component of change is loving God. But the natural component of change, the things that you want to change naturally, the things that make an impact on this earth, they come out of loving people. Love God, it changes you right in here, your heart. Loving people changes how you act, changes what you do. And it allows those things to become lasting change for your life. As I was 17 years old, standing there looking at that overpacked locker, something was, was happening on the inside of me. I, I knew something needed to change. I began to develop that love for God that I talked about. It was a deep love for God, and, and it was that deep love for God that began to change me spiritually. And then God began to give me a love for people. And it was that love for people that I'm still honestly working on today that caused me to go a step further in the change that I knew I needed and I knew I wanted in life. I, I, was, I was getting motivated in ways that I had never been motivated before. I was, I was able to accomplish things that I had struggled with for an entire lifetime. They were starting to become easier. Somewhere along the way, I just learned to love in a different fashion. And that is the new rules of resolution. You know, when you think about, like, how do I produce positive change in my life? Nobody goes to, like, love. It's just not the answer that we're looking for. But it is the wisdom of God that confounds the wisdom of men. make positive changes in your life this year, fall in love with Jesus. You want to make an impact for eternity, fall in love with people, even people that you don't like, even people that are different. The book of 1 John is um, it's known as the book of love. If you've ever read the book of 1 John, it is syrupy, dripping like honey. It's just love this, love that. But buried within this book of love are some key scriptures that talk about victory. As Christians, we quote these scriptures all the time. Things like 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. And we're trying to make positive changes in our lives. And, and we quote those kind of scriptures like, Lord, I'm trying to quit smoking. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to quit uh, clicking on internet pornography. Help me because greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. And, and, and so often we're reaching out to those types of scriptures and, and trying to apply them to our lives. In the book of 1 John, we, we reach out to things like chapter 3, verse 6 that says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Cannot sin. We, we pull scriptures out like verses um, 7 and 8, 1 John 3, 7, 8 and 9. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, because the devil sinned from the beginning. And we latch on to this. For this purpose, 
the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. We're trying to produce positive change in our lives and, and we're latching onto those scriptures. The greater one lives in me. He destroyed the work of the devil, but cradled in the midst of all those scriptures on victory is an entire book about love. It says something. We've been trying to gain victory in life, but we forgot the foundation been trying to to make positive changes but forgot that those positive changes that greater one that lives inside of you all of that stuff is held together by love that God loved you you loved him and that we love each other get that right and you will excel in the change that you so desperately want in life love this. Joyce Meyer says, love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. Let me say it again. Love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. Like when you're in a battle for your life, it's not how much scripture you can quote. And I'm a word guy. I love the Bible, but if you have not love, you're a clinging symbol. not how many prophecies you can give or how many prayers you can pray. Everything is cradled by love. It's why love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, it says, now abide faith. Wow, that's a pretty big one. Hope. How could we go on without hope and love? But out of these three, the greatest is love. That love is greater than our faith. Well, it's our faith that we use to make our lives better, isn't it? It's hope that we have that gives us the ability to move on in life. And and we're going for those things and forgetting the key ingredient. How much do you love God? Learn to have a greater love for God and for his people. And you will see yourself begin to master the changes that have eluded you your entire life. The new rules for resolution are love. Apply that and you'll be able to stick to all the things that you're trying to work on in your life. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, I bless you for these wonderful people today, God. And I thank you, Lord, that that just the love of the Father would overshadow us today. The Father's heart foundation be the foundation the foundation of change in us is love the motivation for why we do what we do why we even want what we want let it spring out of love for you and love for people let that be the thing that forms us and fashions us here today and you struggled with things that you want to change in your life. I think probably all of us have. I still have things that I'm trying to work on. But you sit here today and you say, man, I'm just struggling and I I need some help. I I need a a greater love with the Father. Those of you joining us by video today, you're saying in your heart, I've been trying to change these things for so long. Today, God's tugging on your heart. for some of you today it's a milestone it's a mile marker for you 
you're here today and you want positive change that lasts, lift your hand up so I can pray for you. Yeah, a lot of hands. Father, I pray that this word would permeate our hearts, that our love for you would ever increase and that it would become our driver. It would become the main motivating factor of our lives and that we would love other people, God, as we love ourselves. And from that, God, we would change from the inside out and that we would affect a generation turn this world like they did in Acts chapter 17. We would turn this world in this time, this generation upside down for you, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. With your eyes closed and your head still bowed. Today, maybe some of you still need the biggest change of all. And the biggest change of all is that first initial relationship with God. That first initial love for God. Maybe you were like me. You've known God. Maybe even been in church. But have you just fallen madly in love with Him? That lawyer that we read about in Matthew, he knew all the law. But he he didn't know yet love. Born again is about love, having that love relationship with God. If you're here today and you haven't made that biggest change of all yet, you haven't invited Jesus into your heart, I want to pray for you. If God's tugging on your heart inside, you know this is right. God's tugging on your heart. Would you slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you? Thank you, sir. see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. this morning the biggest change of all is inviting Jesus into your heart all of the other changes that we try to accomplish in life they are unattainable until you fall in love with Jesus who else this morning you need the biggest change of all you need a love relationship with God listen I'm not here to answer thank you sir Thank you, sir. I'm not here to answer all of your questions. I'm just here to facilitate the response. It's not about knowing all the answers. It's about just saying yes to what's happening in your heart right now. If inside of your heart you just feel the Lord tugging on you, you're you're having this internal battle like, oh, I I, I want this, I want to know, but what do my friends think? I, I have these questions still. And this kind of back and forth is happening inside of you. Man, God is, he's drawing you today. You respond to that, and then God will begin to answer your questions. Thank you, ma'am. Last time as I look across the room, anybody else? You need that love relationship. Scripture is very clear that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the form of a man to become a sacrifice for the sin of this world. Scripture says that if we believe that Jesus paid the ultimate price for the entire world, if we believe that in our heart and we can say it with our mouth, then 
we open our heart up to God and He comes and He lives inside of us, that's the first biggest change you can make. So I want to help you this morning. Those of you who raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you still want to pray and receive Christ this morning. I want to help you say with your mouth what's happening inside of your heart. So would you say this prayer with me nice and loud? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you paid for the sin of the world with your blood. That includes mine. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me a hope and a purpose. I ask you to come live in my heart. Make me a new creation. And help me live out new rules for my resolutions. In Jesus' name, amen. We welcome our brothers and sisters into the kingdom.